You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Good afternoon and happy Friday. Here on Crunch Time, you're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 in Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Matt Miguez coming to you live from St. Martinville Senior High School as tonight the Southside Sharks on a seven-game win streak will do battle with the Lafayette High Mighty Lions here at St. Martinville High. It is homecoming for the Sharks. You can hear that game on Mustang 107.1. Myself and Steve Peliquin will bring you the call beginning at 645 in that one. Back at Delta Media, James Mesh, my producer and co-host, the man of many talents. Uh, the, the only problem with him is that he likes candy corn. I'll never understand. If that's my James. biggest flaw, I think I'm doing pretty well. I mean, I, I never said you weren't. I never said that you weren't. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's got to be one of your biggest. I mean, candy corn, come on, man. That's horrible. I don't know what to tell you. That's Cause so I, bad. Because I don't blame you. you either, it's like, I don't know. I'm trying to think. It's almost like a Bill Belichick or, like, the Patriots. Either you love the Patriots or you hate the Patriots. Either you love Tom Brady or you hate Tom Brady. You either love candy corn or you hate candy corn. I mean, and it's you, it's one of it's one of those things, and I I don't blame you for having such a negative attitude towards it. I, and it's and it's so funny that you use those three references because I hate all three of them. Yeah, I know. I hate all of them. Whereas I whereas I like all three of them. Oh my god! On today's edition of Crunch Time, we're going to do our typical Friday routine in the second hour. We're going to be joined by Jake Crane of Crane & Company for Jake's Takes at 5.15. James and I will make our college football picks. At 5.30, we'll do our NFL picks, and then we'll get you on your way. But in the first hour, we're going to recap Thursday Night Football for both the college ranks and the NFL. And then we'll be joined by Q Myers, the host of the Locked On Raiders podcast at 4.30 for a conversation about the Oakland Raiders as they prepare for a game with the New Orleans Saints on Sunday inside the Caesars Superdome. If you want to get in on the game hotline, 337-706-0111. And here in Acadiana, you can watch us on the simulcast. It's Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James. Okay. Um, last night... You know, you had you had college football in uh, in the Sun Belt involving the Louisiana Raging Cajuns, and that's where uh, that's where we're gonna start today, bud. Yeah, let's let's get it. Um, no, you're you're using you're using the wrong attitude. I know. Um, I was excited because I thought there were there was gonna be multiple opportunities for potential scoregamis. You can say that again. I mean. The game, if you look at the, the scoring summary, it starts off with a one-yard run by Janari Dean. The PAT gets blocked and run all the way back for two points for the Cajuns. So it's 6-2, to two, seven and a half minutes into the game. You don't think that's the worst thing in the world? You're like, okay, you can build some momentum off that, right? Wrong. Except, except over the next five minutes... The Southern Miss quarterback, Zach Wilkie, uh, 
Well, actually, we'll, we'll start. The super back burned the Cajuns. They lined Frank Gore Jr. up, so the super back is Southern Miss's version of the Wildcat, is what they call it. And so they lined Frank Gore up in the shotgun, and did you know Frank Gore Jr. could throw the football? And actually we, throw it pretty well? We found out last night, for sure. Uh, he, he threw a 52-yard bomb to, to Quellen Mims for a 52-yard score, made it 13-2, to and then two minutes later... Uh, Zach Wilkie comes in and launches a 76-yard touchdown pass to Jason Brownlee. And that play just really pissed me off because you had five Cajuns chasing this guy down, and none of them tackled him. None of them. Uh, so that made it 20-2, to and then it was 20-5 to after a field goal to, at the end of the first quarter. And then a safety, so it was 22-5. to I mean, it was just a weird weird game. You know, if you wouldn't have been watching it and seen how it happened, if you just checked the score and said, 22-5, to how'd that happen? Strange. The But, you know, getting away from the, the stats and getting away from the score, James, here's what bugs me. How on God's green earth do you as an offense... Not only outgain your opponent, you outgained your opponent by a hundred yards, and you still lost by fifteen. That extra touchdown at the end really—I don't—I don't understand. Well, it was—it was a pick six, but I don't know why you need to return it all the way back. You could have just kneeled all the way through. There's only well, a minute left in the game. That was okay, just salt take- in the wounds. Take 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 that touchdown away. You outgained your opponent by a hundred yards, and you still lost by eight. But I but here's the thing: we see that more often nowadays than you would think. Because if you go back to older days football, it was like it, it practically came down to if you had more yards, you probably won. I mean, that still kind of stands today. But you often see it more more often nowadays that there's going to be these wild, wacky plays, and you also got to remember. Teams go for two nowadays more often than they yep. used to. So it, it does impact as well as if you saw one turnover from a team or maybe two where it was like a legit fumble or interception, that was often the one difference in the game. But oftentimes you see teams give up two or three. Yep. But it also depends on can you capitalize because there are sometimes when you see one team get three turnovers, the other team gets none, but the one with zero takeaways wins because the defense just stood tall and the opposing team just couldn't capitalize on the opportunities. And here's where I'm going to get heated. Do it. Four turnovers? Yep. Four? You know that's now nine in the last three games? Looking like looking like some Saints turnover numbers, huh? Nine turnovers in the last three games. Three, uh, three is, of them were Ben Woolridge picks. That is horrible. And then Ben Woolridge, the safety was a Ben Woolridge because he had an intentional grounding in the yep, end zone. In the end zone. Yep. <laughs> so it's like, really? Ben. But, and, and, well, 
you know, the I, 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 you can blame him for that. It was a, it was a very tough game for him. Who I'm going to blame even more is the offensive line. The offensive line was god awful. Now I was going to say, me, did you see the rushing numbers? You know me. I'm, I'm dedicated to my craft. Um, last night I was calling another high school football game, so I didn't get to. I, I had it pulled up on my computer, but I couldn't really like dive deep and watch it. Well, I woke up this morning and I said, "Hey, let me put myself through this misery." I sat there and I watched it. The offensive line was atrocious. They were horrible. I cannot tell you how many times I saw the most veteran guys on that offensive line standing around watching their man get in the backfield. Just getting bullied. It was horrible. It was absolutely terrible. You know, you look you you asked if if I had seen the the rushing numbers. You take away the 34-yarder by Fleming, they had under 70 yep. yards. Uh-huh. On 29 carries. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I- I'm I'm aware. It it was that they were bad. And you know, it, it's it's interesting because you looked at the last two wins and the main topic of conversation was, oh, you know, this offensive line's getting better. We we knew the offensive line was going to be a question mark going into the season, but maybe they figured it out. They're starting to get better. They're starting they're starting to understand one another more. <laughs> okay. Now, obviously, you got to credit Southern Miss. The curse of being in Hattiesburg continues, the, though. The the curse of being in Hattiesburg does continue. But you got to give credit to Southern Miss. They came into this game one of the top teams in the country at getting to the quarterback. Um, that was their bread and butter. Was going to be their pass rush and, and their defense. And I mean, it showed. They they played lights out all night long, and a lot of the Cajuns' points came in panic time. And you know, credit to Ben Woldridge. You take away his three picks, he's got three hundred and yards. But here's the problem with that: hundred and eighty of it went to one guy. Michael Jefferson had six catches for one hundred and seventy nine yards, which was a career high for him, by the way. Uh, ninth most, I believe, in, in Cajun's history in a single game. But uh, again, you know, this was a game that the Cajuns really needed for for this season because you win this game, you're five and three, you're three and two in the conference, you're you're making you're you're putting yourself at least back in the conversation of contending in the West, especially when you go to, to play Troy next week, because, you know, say you win last night, you're three and two, and then you go and beat Troy, you and Troy are tied and you have the tiebreaker over Troy. So I mean you you would you would have been able to put yourself back into contention of potentially playing for a Sunbelt West championship, but now you're two and three in the conference, and might I add all three of those losses coming in the Western Division. You're done. You're done. The three teams in front of you, two of them hold tiebreakers over you. And then Troy, you haven't played yet. But, I mean, there, there's uh, unless the three teams in front of you utterly collapse and you win out, there's no chance that you were playing for a conference championship in December. 
Yeah, there, there's no shot because you still have a pretty tough schedule ahead. You talk about yeah. Troy, who's six and two right now. Georgia Southern, they're five and three. Yep. You're gonna play Florida and, State, and who's four and who's four and three themselves, and they're they're they've been kind of down since beating LSU week one. But that that's still not. And then you go back go back to Georgia Southern. Not only are they five and three, but they're five and three with a lot of momentum. Yeah. Because they had hit a little bit of a slide there. I want to say they were two and three at one point, and they reeled off three straight. I mean, you're you're playing you're going to play a Georgia Southern team. They've rattled off two straight right now. Two straight. But it was against James Madison and Old Dominion. And Old Dominion, right? Two teams that we've looked at all season. Like, damn, they've made an impact on the Sun Belt. And I mean, yeah. Georgia Southern took care of business. But here's the thing. And, you know, I've heard people, oh, well, you know, it was a five-day turnaround. Look, that's not an excuse. I understand that that is Southern Miss had to do the same exact thing. Right. The only difference is Southern Miss didn't have to travel. And I understand that, you know, the the traveling part is, is, is a big aspect of it. I get it. However, it's not an excuse. You that that can't be a reason as to why you lose a football game because guess what, you're gonna have nine days off now before you play Troy, but then what happens after Troy? You have another five day turnaround. Is is the five day turnaround gonna be your excuse when Georgia Southern walks into Cajun Field and spanks you? It better not be. Here here's here's how I think it'll go. I think you because of the extra preparation I think you get a really good pl- game plan you're able to act, end up winning against Troy. I think because of the 5-day turnaround you're going to lose to Georgia Southern. You travel to go play the Seminoles. I think that one's a loss. But I think you end the season on a high note and beat Texas State and you still end up going 6 and 6. I'll tell you exactly I'll tell you what I told somebody earlier what's going to happen. Okay. You, like you said, you're going to have the break. You're going to come out fired up. You beat Troy, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And then the fan base is going to be like, okay, well, you know, maybe, you know, there's still hope for something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then short turnaround, George Southern's going to beat you. Yep. So then you're five and five. You go to Tallahassee. You compete. You don't win, but you compete. And you lose maybe by like 10. And so the fan base is like, oh, well, you know, that's encouraging, blah, blah, blah. Let's let's go get that last win over Texas State and make a bowl game. And Texas State just beats you. It's going to be a roller coaster finish, and this team finishes 5-7. and seven, And the fan base is going to have a lot of questions in the offseason. I think it all kind of depends on how the Bobcats finish their last three games as well. Well, because if they're if they're course. right and high, then yes. But if they continue to struggle, then I think this is a very winnable game for the Cajuns, and I and I think they have a very I good th- chance of winning. It, I think it can be, I think it can be a very winnable game. Uh, Texas State has never beaten the Cajuns. If if I rem- or they've never won at Cajun Field, either one, one or the other. But um, it's also a little bit interesting of a schedule for them because you look at it. They have no okay. They play Monroe. They're going to be playing at Monroe. Then they're going to be traveling uh-huh. for South Al. 
then uh-huh. they play at home against Arkansas State and then finish at the Cajuns or versus the Cajuns. That's out. That South Al game could be interesting. That South Al game could be very interesting. Because keep in mind, this is the team that spanked App State. And now say say what you want about App State. You know, they're a little down. But then that following week, they played Troy, only lost by three. You only lost to Southern Miss by six. And, Texas State has what it takes to make a run here down the back stretch. So that that South Al game on the twelfth could be uh, could be very interesting for for Jake Spavadol and, and the Bobcats. But you know, transitioning into a happier situation, the only thing standing in the way of the Houston Astros claiming a second World Series championship are the Philadelphia Phillies. And you can listen to every pitch, clutch hit and thrilling moment of Game 1 of the World Series tonight on News Talk 98.5. Astro launch begins at 6.30, and first pitch is set for 7.03, and you can listen to it all live on News Talk 98.5 FM, the talk of Acadiana. We'll take a timeout, and when we return, James and I will talk Thursday night football with the NFL, and we also have audio from the Louisiana Raging Cajuns and the New Orleans Saints. We'll do that next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. out there if you haven't had the opportunity to go watch the Astros hype video for the World Series uh, you, you should you should take the time to do so at some point before they take the field at seven o'clock tonight it is very well done so shout out to the Astros for that one James you know obviously we'll, we'll talk about it a little, little a little later on in the show but how badly do you think the Astros need this World Series after the way things have gone the last couple of years? I think it's pretty big. I, I talked about it before earlier in the playoff run. I, I know you want it so bad because then people can't make the excuse of, oh, the, the only time, the only reason you won a World Series was because you cheated. And they won't be able to say it exactly like that, but that whole moniker of them saying that you cheated to get the World Series, that honestly will, in my eyes, will never go away because fan, fans of other teams will always look for whatever dirt that they can find to put, down, sure. to put down you and, your, and the team that you support. So, unfortunately, it'll shut them up because you'll be like, okay, well, they did actually win. But they will always hang that over your head and be like, "Well, you did this one time, so, uh, right." It's never pancakes it's and never, waffles. It's never gonna completely go away, but you win a World Series without it, and they shut up for a while. Uh, they'll which, they'll still bring it up, but it it won't be. They'll know deep down in their mind that it's not as good of an argument as it was before because, like, well, they they did win now. So, and they did it with roughly a majority 
of the same players from that same team. Right. So it's like, ah, uh, I'm gonna still say I'm gonna still say they cheated though because I have nothing else to, <laughs> for the argument's sake. Well, you see what what's interesting is more and more, especially lately, you've seen players, and not even players that played for the Astros, just players in the MLB in general, that have come out and like I saw a podcast earlier today where Lucas Giolito, the pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Uh, he was on a podcast, and they asked him about you know the Astros, and you know if if they happen to win this World Series, is this one tainted? And he was like, no, because you know he said I don't even know that the 2017 one is, is tainted because I I don't remember the exact way that he worded it, but basically he was saying that everybody was cheating in the 2017 postseason. So. I, you know, to, to to hear a player say that, especially one that participated in the postseason in 2017, is uh, is interesting. There's there's no question about it. But uh, but I digress on that. The Astros take the field for Game One of the World Series tonight at 7:03, and like we mentioned earlier, you can hear it on News Talk 98.5. Going back to the Cajuns quickly. Got some audio from Michael Desermo and a couple of players. Uh, head coach Michael Desermo spoke with the media following the 39 to 24 loss, and was asked on a you know different topics such as did fatigue play a factor in the game, the early interception, and what their what Southern Miss's ground game did well. But here is his opening statement. Yeah, you know, I mean, that was the thing. They they made some big plays early. And got us, you know, got us behind a little bit. And offensively, you know, we made some big plays down the stretch, but turnovers, you know, we've talked about it a hundred times. You just you can't turn the ball over against a good team and expect to win. So, you know, it just kind of it makes you it, it makes you sick for our players because, you know, as the head coach, it's your job to manage these turnarounds and things like that. And certainly the turnovers and some of the the big plays early I, I don't I obviously didn't do a very good job of uh, of having us ready to go um, at the beginning the thing I'll say about this though is that team that we have on our sideline the entire game they were in it they were pulling for each other um, they've got no quit in them and uh, you know they, they we have a special group of kids and you know it just it makes you sick when it kind of goes like that because you just feel like if we start a little faster you know you can have a different game Michael Desenroe also talked about the Golden Eagles ground game and what they were able to do so well in the win last night. Well, I, th I thought their offensive line played really well. You know, that they, they came off the football. And, I mean, you have to give these guys credit now. I mean, they came out and they played really well. Um, the Wildcat stuff's a little different, you know, when you play that much Wildcat because it's really, you know, they've got, an extra, they've got an extra person, you know, essentially when you run Wildcat because everybody's blocking for the quarterback runs. Um, so, you know, they gave us some trouble with that. We made some adjustments at halftime, and I thought, you know, Coach Morgan did a good job with it. And our players, you know, we won a lot of one-on-ones in the second half. We were getting off the blocks. Uh, where early on, you know, we're getting covered up a little bit, and, and their back's a really good player. You know, we knew that going into it. I thought he was really patient. He was physical when he finished runs. And, you know, uh, there weren't a lot of knockback tackles. You know, it was falling forward, especially early. And, and those are things that, you know, those dirty, dirty yards, the two or three extra dirty yards, they, it adds up, you know, as you go through it. So, you know, I think our, our coaches and our players did a good job making some adjustments at halftime. 
um, and executing better at halftime. But like I said, it was just a little, uh, a little bit too much. And then going to the New Orleans Saints, Chris Richard, co-defensive coordinator, spoke with the media about the Raiders and, and what they're able to do so well. But he spent some time highlighting their stud running back in Josh Jacobs. This guy's been a real good back all four years, right, that he's been in the NFL. And, um, again, he's, he's got really good contact balance, an aggressive runner, compact and powerful style, right? He can runs behind his pads, right? So, yeah, it's going to be a challenge. No question about it, right? And, again, our guys are up to it. And we know, again, we got to get his cleats out the grass, get all 11 to the ball, and got to make sure we are wrapping his legs up, and so that way he'll be less effective. If you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, then text Panther to 337-283-8100 for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the 10th. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by The Game, Celebrity Theaters, and Sherman Insurance. We'll take a timeout when we return. Q Myers of Locked On Raiders and the Raider Nation Radio Network will join us for a conversation about the Vegas Raiders before they head to New Orleans to take on the Saints right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look, is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. The Saints will host the Las Vegas Raiders on Sunday inside the Caesars Superdome. Kickoff is set for 12 noon. Earlier today, I had the opportunity to sit down with the host of the Locked On Raiders. He's also the host of Unnecessary Roughness on the Raiders radio network, Mr. Q Myers. The reason that we had to pre-record it is because over in Vegas, he is on the air at the same time as crunch time, uh, so there was just no possible way to have him on live. But a great conversation nonetheless. Talked about a lot of different things from the play of Derek Carr to the coaching staff and, and what he expects out of this game Sunday in the Superdome. So here is my conversation with Q Myers. Q Myers of the Locked On Raiders podcast joining us. Q, what's going on, bud? Man, I'm hanging in there. How are you guys doing? Oh, how we'd be doing better if we weren't 2-5. and five. <laughs> Raiders are two and four, so believe me, I understand where you're coming from. So you know, let, let's start there. Two and four so far on the year, and you know, going into the season, especially when the Raiders acquired Devontae Adams, the expectation in Vegas had to be higher than that. No? Oh yeah, the expectations were sky high, right? I mean, you get Devontae Adams, as you mentioned, uh, one of the best wide receivers in the league, if not the best wide receiver in the league. You have him team up with his college teammate and Derek Carr, right? The storylines write themselves. Obviously, you've got the Darren Waller still, Hunter Renfro. So all you can imagine is that, okay, the offense is going to be a high-octane offense. Josh McDaniels is a really good play caller, one of the better play callers in the league. So what could go wrong? Well, 
coming out of the gates, nothing went right. I mean, that was really what it was. You know, there was there was a lot of games that they were in uh, that they had opportunities to win, but they just couldn't find ways to get it done. So, yeah, the expectations were sky high. And then when the results were losses, all of a sudden Raider Nation started losing their mind. Like, wait, hold on. This wasn't the thoughts. This wasn't the, the, the expectation heading in. Especially, remember, they came off a 10-win season a year ago and made the playoffs after all the turmoil that they went through from John Gruden to Henry Ruggs to emails. To, I mean, just it was, it was hell on wheels last season, and they still found a way to make the playoffs. All of a sudden, they're sitting there now after uh, seven games, and they only have two wins or seven weeks and, and, and six games. They only have two wins. It's like, what in the world's going on? You know, you talked about Josh McDaniels being one of the top play callers in the league, and and there's no there's no argument there. It's it's true. My my question here is, what do you think maybe took so long for him to become a head coach? That's a good question. You know, the the conversations that we had all off season, all training camp, you know, was about that, right? Because okay, this guy's a really good play caller. We know he flamed out in Denver as a head coach. That was over ten years ago. And everything that we have been told is that he has multiple opportunities. He just has to turn them down, including Indianapolis, which we all remember. That was real public where they were going to hire him, and he basically left him at the altar and said, yeah, thanks, but no thanks, and didn't take the job. Um, So a lot of people continue to tell me that, well, he just wanted to get the right situation, and he felt very comfortable with this situation in Las Vegas. So that was uh, also something that led to the expectations. Okay, he sees something in in the Raiders that he can really take advantage of and and really – you know, do some really good things with. And so all of a sudden when they get off to an 0-3 start, it's like, wait a minute, I thought this coach handpicked this team. Wait a minute, what, what's going on? Why is he not succeeding with this team? And, you know, they're, I want to say they're starting to figure it out, but they still only have one, two wins. So, I mean, you can't really say they figured it out until they start to stack some back-to-back wins, and, and they haven't done that. They've won two out of three, but they haven't, back, they haven't stacked back-to-back wins yet. Your quarterback, Derek Carr, you know, you talked about him earlier, his relationship with Devontae Adams from Fresno State. 31 years old. He's top 10 in the league in touchdown passes. He's seventh in the league in QBR. You know, what are your what are your thoughts on Derek Carr? Some people think that he's a top quarterback. Some people think he's far from that. Where do you stand? You know, I think he's at least the top. I mean, top 12, I would say top 12, 13, around that range. I wouldn't say that he's an elite quarterback, but I think that he's good enough, right? He's good enough to get it done. He's shown, uh, one, his leadership is incredible. I mean, the Raiders don't go through what they went through last season and get through it and, and actually make it to the playoffs without the leadership of Derek Carr. So that's that's like almost second to none. And then everything else, the intangibles, you know, he can come back and win it late in games. He's, he's done that so many times throughout the course of his career. You know, but then there's things that he doesn't do well. You know, he doesn't run around and keep plays alive with his legs and doesn't like to scramble a whole lot. He's done a little bit of that, including against the Saints back in what, uh, 2016, when he did the little flip over uh, the defenders and, and, and right in front of the, the Saints sideline. As a matter of fact, his former head coach and Dennis Allen, who's now the head coach in New Orleans, was standing right there, and that was kind of a cool moment. But ever since he broke his ankle in 2016, he's been hesitant to you know take off and run a lot. So uh, there's there's again, he's, he's middle of the pack, I think. I mean, I, I don't, I will never say that he's an elite quarterback, but he's a guy that can get it done, especially with the weapons that he has. So you know, there's middle, you know, Raider Nation is like split on him. Half of them love him. The other half is like, yeah, we've seen enough. Let's get rid of him. So it's just until he actually goes and wins the Super Bowl, if he ever wins the Super Bowl, uh, there's never going to be 100% agreement on who Derek Carr is. And then, you know, skill players, obviously Josh Jacobs having an an incredible season, three straight games of 140-plus. We talked about Devontae Adams coming in and making a solid impact. Hunter Renfro, Darren Waller, 
you know, talked talked about Derek Carr. Talk a little bit about his weapons and and how they they've really stood out so far this year. You know, I think that that's part of the reason why the Raiders got off to the slow start is because of all the weapons. And I think Josh McDaniels had one idea how to use them heading into the season. And I think now that Josh Jacobs has gone on this run the last three games in particular where he's been over 140-plus yards and they've won two out of three, I think he realizes that, you know what, that's not the way that uh, we're going to get this done. We're going to have to uh, be a a ground-and-pound team and then open up everything else, where I think that they planned on throwing the ball around the yards a lot and letting Devontae Adams be Devontae Adams and Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro really thrive. So, you know, I think they're starting to understand their weapons, and that's the biggest deal, right? If they could figure out how to understand and use these weapons with what they have and Josh McDaniels' playbook, they could be a lot better team. And I think they're starting to figure that out. Josh Jacobs has been incredible. He actually told head coach Josh McDaniels a, a couple games ago, let me lead this team. Give me the ball. Let me lead this team in a respectful way, not a disrespectful way, but just, hey, I can get it done. And Josh McDaniels, to his credit, said, okay, let's do it. And they've been riding Josh Jacobs ever since. And so uh, it was a running back by committee plan originally. That turned into a running back by Josh Jacobs plan. <laughs> so that's what they're doing right now. The weapons are there. They've just got to utilize them and, and take advantage of their skill set. Q Myers, the host of Locked on Raiders, joining us here on Crunch Time. Looking at the defense, you know, obviously the, the name that really jumps off the page at you is Max Crosby at that edge rusher spot. 35 total tackles, six sacks so far on the year. You know, talk, talk about some other players on this defense that have really stepped up and made an impact so far in 2022. Well, that's a, uh, another big problem is that Max Crosby has stepped up and had a huge impact, like you mentioned, but who else has stepped up? It hasn't been anybody, right? I mean, that's that's one of the biggest problems. I think they have nine sacks on the season, maybe, and Max Crosby has six, right? And then other guys, like a cornerback, Nate Hobbs, who's on IR right now, he has one. A linebacker, and Denzel Perryman, has one. And then Cleve Furl and Chandler Jones split a sack. So, I mean, you know what I mean? Like, that's not enough. So there hasn't been enough impact players on the defense, and that's been one of the big problems. And last week against the Texans, safety Jerron Harmon came up with a big pick six. That's his second interception of the season. So that was great to see that, but they just they don't happen enough. You don't see turnovers created enough. You don't see interceptions. You don't see uh, even enough sacks. You know, outside of Max Crosby, he's, he's balling. Don't get me wrong. Crosby is balling, but the rest of the, the crew needs to show up to the party, and they haven't done it. And that's, that's a, another big issue, and that, again, leads to what the 2-4 and four record is and why I believe this game on Sunday is going to end up being a shootout because I don't trust the defense to be able to stop the Saints uh, more than a couple times a game or, or force them to kick a couple field goals a game. Well, I don't trust the Saints' offense to score on any defense in the NFL. So, I mean, <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens on Sunday. But, you know, talking about the AFC West, such a tough division that the, the Raiders are in with the Chargers and the Chiefs. And the the Denver Broncos, and of course, you know Denver hasn't panned out to be no. quite the team people thought that they would be with Russell Wilson. Just kind of talk about this division that that obviously is still you know Patrick Mahomes's kingdom. Well, I'll tell you, if you told me after seven seven weeks uh, in the NFL NFL weeks that uh, a two win team is still in the division race, I would I would laugh at you, right? right. But Technically, you know, the Raiders are still in it. The, Ch- the Chargers are obviously still in it, and, and the Broncos are too, even though the Broncos, like you mentioned, don't look like a very good team at all. And, hell, I mean, for that matter, the Raiders, you know, from the outside don't look like a, a very good team. They only got two wins. But the division just hasn't shaken out to be as tough as we all thought it was going to be. It's still, like you mentioned, it's still Chiefs' kingdom. It's still Patrick Mahomes' playground, right? I mean, he's, 
he's going to go ahead and win the division. That's not going out on the limb. The Chiefs, in my opinion, unless they have some terrible uh, injury, are going to win the division for the millionth time it feels like in a row. And, I mean, that's just what it is. Everyone else in the division is playing for second, right? And, and then the Broncos, I don't know. If they lose this game to Jacksonville in, in London this week, I don't know if Nathaniel Hackett will be gone. I don't know if they're going to have a fire sale. I don't know what's going to go on in Denver. I mean, they seem like they got a bunch of different issues. But, I mean, this division, everyone, like I said, is still playing for second. And the Chargers have so many injuries that they look like they could be on the on a trajectory going down as well. You know, they just they found ways to win games. I'll give them credit for that. But it doesn't look very impressive. And all the injuries continue to mount up for the Chargers. So, the AFC West, I thought it was going to be the toughest division in football. Now it's, it's probably the biggest question mark in football. What's the latest coming out of the Raiders facility two days before game time? Well, it looks like Devontae Adams is, is officially going to be a go on Sunday, which is good. Uh, he had missed a couple of days of practice with the illness and got around the Raiders' locker room. So uh, four guys have been out earlier in the week on Wednesday, but uh, it looks like they're all getting back now. Devontae is, uh, is practicing today, so that's a good thing. So most likely he'll play. Darren Waller is the big question. Uh, you know, he hasn't played. He didn't play uh, last week. He's got that hamstring injury. He did return to practice, but he's been limited. So I think he's going to be a game-time decision. Uh, maybe we'll find out a little bit later if he if he's going to play or not. Not too sure. But uh, Darren Waller, if he could return, that would be huge. But as far as, the, like, the coaches and everything, the players, they're all pretty upbeat, man. They feel pretty good about uh, the process. They feel pretty good about the week of practice that they've had. Uh, they think that they're heading in the right direction, so we'll see. It's going to be a tough game, man, in, in New Orleans, man. I, it's Halloween weekend, as you guys very well know, and I'm sure that uh, the, the Saints faithful are going to be out there representing for Halloween. The Raider Nation is going to be out there representing for Halloween. It should be a hell of an environment, that's for sure. Yeah, no, no question about it. You know, looking at the trade deadline coming up on Tuesday, do, do you see the Raiders making any kind of moves? Man, I don't know. That's something that we've been talking about a lot here on the radio in, in Las Vegas, and um, there's a couple guys that I'm looking at. I, I think Deron Payne out of Washington would be a great get if they could find a way to pull him out of D.C. Uh, you know, he's looking for a contract extension, trade for him, maybe give up a, a third. And, and if they don't, if they don't buck at a, at a third, then maybe you have to take give up a second. Go get that guy because you need some help on the interior of that defensive line. I think that would be great. Uh, sign him to a contract extension immediately. Just get that out of the way. And then another guy uh, I'm looking at is Sidney Jones, the cornerback from Seattle. I think he would be good because the Raiders are really thin in the secondary. He's not a you know a shutdown corner by any means, but he's a good player that's down on the depth chart because he got a concussion earlier in the season, and that opens up the door for the young guys to go out there and play, and they've been killing it for Seattle. So those are two guys I have my eye on. I don't know what uh, Dave Ziegler and company have their eye on. They already traded Jonathan Hankins to the Cowboys earlier this week. He's a big defensive tackle, so maybe they do have one move uh, left in mind before the trade deadline on Tuesday. Lastly, Q, who wins on Sunday, and what's the X factor? Man, I think the X factor's got to be Josh Jacobs. And I, I just, man, the Raiders got to find a way to get a W or to get back-to-back Ws. They won on Sunday against Houston, so... I'm going to roll with them and, and say that they're they're figuring their offense out. But, man, I just know that that t- environment is going to be tough. And if they get behind early, it could be a long day at the office for the Raiders. So I think it's going to be a close one. I'm looking at, honestly, I think it's like, you know, 31-27, 31-26. 30, you know, something close like that. Uh, I just feel, feel like the Raiders, just because they know what's on the line. And, look, the Saints do, too. Their division is a mess as well. So, I mean, it's. I don't know. I don't feel 100% confident in that in that uh, prediction, but I'll, I'll say because the Raiders need to get that second win in a row that they're going to find a way to get it done Sunday. Q Myers, host of Locked On Raiders and Raider Nation Radio. Q, appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the game on Sunday, and uh, we'll talk soon, man. 
Will do. Thanks for having me on. You guys have a good one. Enjoy the game. Really appreciate Q Myers taking the time to come on and talk about the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, I don't think this is a game that the Saints will win, especially after you found out today that once again Michael Thomas. Spoiler, Sean spoiler, spoiler. Giving away your game picks. Oh my God. Uh, Michael Thomas, Marshawn Lattimore, and Jarvis Landry are all out. But uh, we'll, we'll get to that a little later on in the show, as James alluded to just a second ago. We'll take a time out, and when we return, it's time for Mesh's Friday segment. And uh, this one will be interesting. We'll do it next here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we're re-finishing up our number one. If you've missed it so far, we just finished up with Q Myers talking about those Raiders, and we also have a poll question based on that Saints game, and do you think that they'll finally get back on track against the Raiders on Sunday? It's either you believe that they will win, or LOL, 2-6, and six, here we come. Because right now they're currently 2-5. and five. So far, 70.6% of the votes are leaning towards 2-6, and six, while 29.4% are leaning toward they think they'll win. They believe it. So... That's going to be interesting to see what happens on Sunday, but let's let's pivot toward the hardwood in the NBA. We're hearing rumors right now that Sil- that Commissioner Silver is looking towards an NBA cap. He's looking for a salary cap instead of them just kind of dealing with a luxury tax, whereas what they've done before the whole time. Um, to me, I like the, the salary cap with the NFL, but then there are times where I think it's absolutely stupid. Like, the dead cap to me, I mean, it prevents you from just kind of throwing players away, like how the NBA does left and right. That is a little frustrating to see it from the NBA sometimes. But at the same time, I mean, I don't think you should be absolutely punished for it, especially if another team is willing to take on the money. Yeah, I... I, I... I see it both ways. I see it in in the sense of, you know, in, in the NBA you can you can build these mega teams because you know teams in big markets are willing to pay the luxury tax and that's fine. But then at the same time, you know, a salary cap makes it a little bit more of a level playing field, and you don't see the you know the Warriors and the Bucks in the finals every year, or you know. And obviously, I use the Bucks as a, as a rough example, but for years, I mean, you saw the Warriors and the Cavs every single season. Um, you know, I, I think it I think it levels that playing field a little bit. Um, so that's interesting. I, I don't know how well that'll be received among like the NBA owners and whatnot. Yeah, because right now I'm looking at Twitter. You talk about the owners, but I'm looking at just people on Twitter right now. There are a few that are like, okay, yeah, I like it, but then there's a vast majority of people that absolutely hate the idea. Yeah, they can't stand and, it. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out, um, because I mean the owners are going to have to approve it, and so if, if the owners aren't, are, are, especially Joe 
Joe Lacob in uh, in Golden State if he's not a fan of that and you know he he gets some of his buddies to to side with him. I mean that might get shut down quicker than than it was written. You know. <laughs> yeah. So uh, that that'll be interesting to see to see how that goes. But I mean I don't know that I would hate the idea of having a salary cap in the NBA. And I'm looking I'm looking at it Keith Smith who we had on before he's yep. he's generally with the NBA but he also does he looks pretty heavily at the Celtics and his the projected luxury tax for the 2022 season would have been 150 million so that that and it's interesting because I wanted to look at the Pelicans really quickly as we got a, a little less than a minute left but right now about their total is a uh, 147 million so they're right at it so to me it's right. like unless you're just trying to absolutely go balls to the wall and throw like $500 million at seven players and just build an absolute god squad, I don't think that's the worst thing in the world, especially if it's yep. within the range of how most teams have their total cap situation. I, I could see it being a little higher than that. I could see them going to maybe like 165 ju- just to give teams a little bit of room. We'd see that, but, uh, we'd see that in like 2023-2024. Yeah, that, that, that's an interesting, interesting point. Hour number one in the books, hour number two. We'll start it off with Jake Crane of Crane and Company for Jake's takes, and we'll do that next after this top of the hour sports update right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two here on Crunch Time. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. And you're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. It is time for our favorite segment each and every Friday afternoon. It is Jake's Takes with our guy Jake Crane. Jake, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, guys, like I always say, if I'm talking to you all, it's Friday. So that's a good situation. Absolutely, my man. Absolutely. Let's start with, with a story that's kind of taken over the sports world today, and it's that Tom Brady and his wife have announced that their divorce is formally filed. You know, I, I'm, I'm not really interested in, you know, talking about the situation. What I am interested in getting your thoughts on, though, Jake, is, is the amount of coverage that it's getting. Yeah. Well, look, we, we live in a TMZ reality. I mean, I, what I'm inter- interested in is see if his kids are going to dress up as footballs for Halloween, so he may want to spend some time with them. But, no, that's just a low-hanging fruit <laughs> joke. But, uh, you know, it's obviously when, when you have somebody like Tom Brady, it's, it's like if Michael Jordan got divorced. Or, I mean, it, there's, only, there's only a few goats that, that, you know, this would generate this type of story. But when you mix a powerhouse like Tom Brady – with a powerhouse like Giselle Bündchen, uh, they're going to follow it. I mean, it's the it's the devil wears Prada department of, of the sports industry. So, like, do I really care uh, deep down? No. Is it going to affect my daily life? Uh, no, it's not. Uh, but since it's Tom Brady and Giselle, they're obviously going to talk about it. Yeah, there, there's no question. You know, you, you hit it on the head when there's when there's one mega star like Tom Brady, you're going to talk about it, but. When you, you, his wife is also a, a supermodel and, and one of the best in the world, I mean, you're you're really going to talk about it at that point. 
But uh, moving on from that, let's talk some college football, and let's start with last night. Uh, Jake, the Cajuns were terrible against Southern Miss. Yeah, well, you know, you, you see what happens when you, you basically have wholesale changes everywhere, not only from personnel on the field, but, but in the uh, coach's office. Uh, you know, Louisiana's had a, a great streak. I mean, they had their win streak coming in this year. They've won a ton. Uh, you always want to give a guy a benefit of the doubt. There are some things, though, in-game-wise, uh, with the Raging Cajuns that have kind of been mystifying. Uh, there's been a couple coaching decisions, whether it's come to, to timeouts, kind of when to go for it, when not to go for it. But they've really struggled playing complementary football. It seems that, you know, obviously the, the couple since where they've played well, at least two out of the three phases have been holding up there in the bargain, if not more. Now it seems like it's a different phase that lets them down almost every week, whether that be offense, defense, or special teams. But you do got to give credit to Will Hall and Southern Miss. I mean, Will Hall's a hell of a coach. We know he was a hell of a player. We know who his father was, a legendary coach as well. Uh, so it was a matter of time before Will got Hattiesburg going, and that's a place that loves their football, and they'll get behind it. And then we look at Thursday Night Football for the NFL. It was Ravens and Bucks, and Tom Brady's looking just that much older by the week. I mean, What were your thoughts on the game? Well, you know, I mean, he's got over 2,000 passing yards. I think he's top three in the league in passing. Tom Brady was never a guy uh, that you can't have, you know, especially later in his career. Quarterbacks need help around them. They've had no running game uh, the last couple weeks. And last night, that first drive, they took it right down the field. They were operating with a good run game, and they built that off play action. Tom Brady's a play action passer. He's a play action intermediate and short game passer. That's what he is. But when you're one-dimensional in the NFL, I don't care even if you are Tom Brady. And, and we all know the injuries the Buccaneers have had up front. Uh, they were missing a, a key guard last night as well. Uh, but it was shocking against the Ravens defense that couldn't stop a nosebleed in the nurse's office when it comes to stopping the run, uh, was able to kind of figure it out and, and shut them down and make the Bucs a, a one-dimensional once again. So I don't know if it's as much about Tom Brady uh, as, as it is about you know the players performing around him because they have weapons. I mean, Godwin. Evan, uh, uh, I know Bray was out, but, but they have guys in the middle that, that can really compete. And then in the running back position, you got Leonard Fournette. Uh, so it, it's the craziest thing to me, if you want to criticize Tom Brady on this, criticize him not being able to get his team up to play last week and then not being able to battle back from adversity this past Thursday. Is it a telltale sign to you that, you know, he's 45 and in his 21st year in the NFL and – He's off to the worst start of his career? Yeah, you know, I again, it, it, he's not getting better. Let's make no mistake. Tom Brady's not improving physically as he goes, but I think that the Buccaneers have a lot of problems right now. Yeah. Uh, you, you look at a, a secondary that was missing three out of their four starters last night. So I think there's a lot of things that go into this. Tom Brady is obviously Tom Brady, so when it's going bad uh, and, and they're not winning – just like he got the credit maybe sometimes when he shouldn't when they were winning, he's getting a little bit of the, the, the blame sometimes maybe when he shouldn't when they're losing. Let's transition to baseball now. The World Series starts tonight between the Astros and the Phillies. You know, I, I, love, I love what you said on, on the show this morning about the Astros and, you know, your thoughts mm-hmm. on, the, on the scandal from 2017 and whatnot. Give me your thoughts on this series and who wins it. Yeah, you know, basically what I said, if people hadn't checked out Crane and Company, I suggest you go do, is that if you're going to hate the Astros outside of being a rival or somebody that they continue to beat on the way to the top, if you're going to hate them for cheating, hate that 2017 team. 
that don't don't put it on this 2022 team. You can't do that. If that was the case, and we said that every every championship or every team that ever cheated or program that ever got cheating once was fraudulent from here on out, well, hell, Alabama's won no national championships then. Just about every college football team, college basketball, we've seen cheating in the pros. So I think we got to look at the circumstance. But I tell you what, guys, it is kind of weird that in the three appearances in the World Series for the Astros, their only two losses have come to NL East teams. And then you look up, and here come the Phillies, another NL East team. But uh, I think with the experience they have, with the depth in the bullpen they have, obviously Verlander's going to go out there and try and shove as long as he can tonight. Uh, but then you got Frambler Valdez, who's, who if he continues to pitch that way, being able to mix speeds the way he does. Uh, I think the Astros are going to win this series at, at the worst in six games, probably in five. Uh, I love Pena, the replacement for Correa. Uh, I really, you know, Kyle Tucker had a really sneaky year. I don't think he gets enough credit for the year that he had. But give me the Astros, man, starting tonight. I got them on the run line, minus one and a half at plus 130. Is it going to be the Astros and Mets next year? You know, why, why, do you, why, why do you have to say things like that? Um, <laughs> no, it's, you know I'm a Braves fan, Matt. Uh, I hate the Yankees, but I also really dislike the Mets. You know, the Mets got as good a shot as anybody. Uh, I think a lot of it depends on what DeGrom does. Uh, I would love for DeGrom to come to Atlanta and just play a game of guess what, you're out for, you know, 162 games, whatever it is. But – uh, I think the Braves will have a good chance to be back in it next year, and I wouldn't be shocked if they saw the Astros. All right, let's make some let's make some college football picks. Let's start with Ohio State getting tested for the first time this year against Penn State and Happy Valley. Yeah, you know, obviously Penn State got embarrassed against Michigan. It's it's like getting beat up in front of all your friends. I mean, how do you come back from it? You better come back twice as hard next time. And, and I think that's what you'll see if Sean Clifford is able to do it from a physicality standpoint. Is he healthy enough? Because I love Drew Aller's potential, the backup quarterback, but I don't think he's ready against an offense at Ohio State uh, that we know can be very explosive in times. But I will say, I don't think people are giving Penn State enough credit here. You're playing at home. Unfortunately for them, it's not at night. It's in the afternoon. Uh, but I think Penn State, with the athletes they have in the secondary, with Joey Porter Jr., and then on offense, with an experienced, hopefully, Sean Clifford, with guys like Mitchell Pinsley, who came over from Western Kentucky, and Parker Washington, who's shown to be a stud, Kevontae Lee at running back, Nick Singleton at running back. I think they keep this game closer than what people think. And if you noticed about Ohio State, guys, in a couple games where they have been tested, whether it was Notre Dame earlier in the year where they squeaked by that one against the Notre Dame team, we, we now know is super fraudulent. And then you look at Iowa, while they did beat them 54-10, to 10, Iowa came out in the first quarter and whipped their ass a little bit if you really want to call it spade a spade. So if they start out so against Penn State like that and Penn State continues to believe and that offensive line for Penn State can play the way they were playing going into the Michigan game, guys, this one can be a lot closer than what people think. And you, you talk about Notre Dame. How about the Irish and then the Syracuse Orange? Look, uh, I don't know how you can bet against Syracuse in this one. Right. I mean, Garrett Schrader in the quarterback run game last week we saw against Clemson. They just didn't have an answer when Clemson adjusted. Uh, and then Clemson stopped turning the ball over. Notre Dame, I just don't trust them offensively. I mean, they're, they are 100% the guy from split. One minute you're Patricia, the other one you're a nine-year-old boy. They don't know who they are, which is the reason they show no consistency. Uh, I like Syracuse here. They want to get back on the winning track. I think you're going to see the leader step up like Sean Tucker, like Gaston out there wide. They're kind of flex wide guy that presents problems. And I do think the defense for Syracuse is good enough. 
uh, to harass Notre Dame offensively from you know every layer of the field, the deep third, the middle third, and obviously the intermediate. Uh, and I expect that you may see a big special teams play from Syracuse in this game. Give me the orange. Jake Crane of Crane & Company joining us here on Crunch Time. Arkansas and Auburn. Brian Harson just buying his time on the planes, isn't he? Ugh. I don't even want to talk about this game. Um, look, this game is pretty <laughs> simple. Both these teams, we know who they are. It's the Spider-Man GIF. We want to run it. You want to run it. Who's going to run it better? The question is, is who can stop the run the most effectively? Auburn has found a way to lose games. There's an old saying, losers find a way to lose and winners find a way to win. Arkansas is a triage tent right now from an injury standpoint, especially defensively. K.J. Jefferson is going to have to be the guy. You stop him, you stop them. I just think Auburn finds a way to lose this one. I mean, you look at Ole Miss, they go out there and have their best offensive performance. Tank Bigsby goes off for 100 yards. They score 34 points, which is a miracle in itself, especially scoring points in the second half. Uh, and they find a way to give up 450-something rushing yards. So uh, Auburn, you know, losers find a way to lose. I, I just think Arkansas finds a way in this one. Oh, Oklahoma, Iowa State, Big 12. You know, before the season, I picked Oklahoma to lose this game because I've coached in the state of Iowa. I don't trust places where, you know, people walk in the corn at night. It's like Australia. I don't go too far in the woods or the water. Uh, it, it's a tough place to play. Iowa State really needs this one. Dylan Gabriel is playing for Oklahoma, but that three-three-five, I'm telling you, it's like the triple option of defenses. You don't see it a lot. It's tough to prepare for. I mean, they'll, hell, they'll drop a guy out of a helicopter at some point. You never know where they're coming from. So give me Iowa State in just an ugly game that everybody's worse for watching. Tomorrow afternoon, it's the world's largest cocktail party, Florida and <laughs> Georgia. John, can y'all believe Florida's a 23-and-a-half-point dog? Like, do I, is there, what do we not know? Like, what do we not know about Florida? Like, did the whole team get in a fight with each other? Like, like what? It, that shocks me. I know Georgia's better than Florida. Yeah, that's, but that, 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 a, that's a little points. much. Uh, I think Georgia's going to win, but it, it's really hard for me not to take every red cent I've ever earned and put it on Florida plus 23 and a half. Uh, it just blows my mind the number's that high. Um, you know, again, Vegas, they don't miss a lot, but it just feels like either y'all got some secret, you know, coded message that we all don't have, which is a very real possibility. Uh, I just don't think Florida's explosive enough on offense. Uh, they're going to have to limit Georgia's possessions. They need to make this a low-scoring, uh, very quick game, as we call it, where the, where the clock just seems like it's running the whole game because everybody's running the ball uh, and give themselves a chance because if they want to turn this thing into a track meet, Georgia don't have Tennessee's defense. It's going to be a lot harder than it was when they went up to Knoxville and Anthony Richardson just freaked out through the air for four quarters. How about Oklahoma State and Kansas State? Look, this is this is a hell of a game. This may end up being the best game of the weekend. You know, Adrian Martinez's quest, uh, health is in question, guys. I mean, backup quarterback came in last week, did a nice job. But Adrian Martinez is really the most explosive part of their offense outside of Deuce Vaughn, just hiding behind offensive linemen for as long as he can and then jumping out there for about a 65-yard touchdown. But, man, I love Spencer Sanders in Oklahoma State. The dude just gutted it out last week. It was a hell of a game. They came back and beat Texas. He had a hurt shoulder going into it. If the backup quarterback plays for Kansas State, I like Oklahoma State. If Adrian Martinez plays for Kansas State, I like Kansas State. I think it does come down to that move. All right, rapid-fire pick. Cincinnati-UCF. Give me Cincinnati. Gus will find a way to blow it. 
All right, Kentucky, Tennessee. Tennessee, Kentucky can't score enough. Ole Miss A&M. <laughs> A&M missing three offensive linemen. Uh, I think they'll put up a good fight for a while, but the dam will break about the start of the fourth quarter. Give me Ole Miss. What do you think? What do you think about Jimbo skipping the TV meeting today? I mean, when you're making ninety million dollars for however much he's making, you know, you guess you can skip whatever you you want to skip. It's just like those NBA guys can wear homeless people's clothes and call it fashion before the game. Baylor and Texas Tech. This game's interesting, guys. Texas Tech's a different animal at home, uh, but Baylor and Dave Aranda. Part of me that the spotty senses are going off the charts in this one right now. Basically, Toby McGuire's. I'm sitting here talking to you guys. I like Baylor in this. There, I said it. You know what I said? I like Baylor in this game. Moving on to the NFL now. How about Saints and Raiders? Yikes! <laughs> I know. God, the poor Saints. Um, hey, I've got to go with the Raiders. They're obviously on a two-game win streak, even with Waller beat up. Devontae Adams, is, we know how big of a threat he is. Derek Carr, uh, is he mid? Is he not mid? The jury's still out. Uh, but the Saints, unless Taysom Hill just puts on the Superman outfit again, I don't see a way in which they can score enough. Your secret favorite team, the Atlanta Falcons against the Carolina Panthers. Matt, don't spread that rumor. Don't spread that rumor. We all know my secret favorite team is the Packers, Matt. I don't need that. Listen, i got enough. I get enough every day. Please don't, don't add that layer with the Falcons fans. Uh, look, I mean, who would have thought this game would be deciding the division leader in the NFC South? Like, how about that? Just everybody sit back and think about that for a second. I mean, P.J. Walker coming out of nowhere, uh, hell of a performance last week against the Buccaneers. But, man, I just think the Falcons and Marcus Mariota, they're playing with nothing to lose. They're supposed to be tanking. Nothing is more dangerous than somebody playing with nothing to lose. Give me the birds, rise up. But I'm not saying that as a fan, just as a prognosticator. Dolphins-Lions. Well, that'd be a hell of a fight in real life, don't you think? Um, yeah, give me the Dolphins. I mean, the Lions, I know Amon Ross St. Brown was out last week. Swift is out last week. Uh, Jared Goff, I just don't trust them. I don't trust people you could fit a pizza box in their smile. Uh, give me the Dolphins, Tua with the quick game, whether it's Waddle, whether it's Tyreek, Mike, you know, just sticky in the middle. I think the Dolphins. Uh, overwhelm them offensively. Uh, AFC East matchup, Pats Jets. Oh man, uh, how about the Jets, man? I can't believe this. And that and Robert Sala looks just like Xerxes' son if you really look at him. It blows my mind. Uh, but I do like the Jets. I mean, Zach Wilson, the Cougar Hunter, the man that's not afraid to ride with the fear. Uh, I really like them picking up James Robinson from the Jaguars after Brees Hall unfortunately went down with an ACL. That guy. It's absolutely Le'Veon Bell reincarnated if you watch him run. The Jets have found a way to win by running the ball and playing defense and playing good on special teams. Sauce Gardner out there locking up the island. Uh, give me the Jets to find a way to win this one. The Patriots, Mac Jones, seems like he's going to be uh, somewhat healthy again. They're going to give him another go. I just don't think the Patriots have enough weapons around them. I mean, Devontae Parker, that's a cool toy, but I don't win a lot of races in a Prius. All right, Jake, four more Niners and Rams. Give me the Niners. I think they're embarrassed last week. I just don't trust the Rams this year. It's just something's missing. I think it's the offensive line. They're struggling to run the ball. We all saw what happened with Cam Akers and kind of the separation there, uh, even though I do think Henderson's a pretty good back. Uh, I just, again, I added CMC another week to digest the offense, but Debo Samuel being out is going to make it interesting. But I think Jimmy G just, you know, finds a way to win it. Giants Seahawks? Hey, you got another two underdog teams. I mean, uh, again, this game's in Seattle, right? Yes. Yeah, I give me the Seahawks. 
Uh, Geno Smith, one of the best stories in the NFL, a journeyman that seems like he's found a spot. I think Pete Carroll and them really actually trust him. If it keeps going this well, it'll be interesting to see how they treat that position moving forward with how deep the quarterback draft class is this year. But if they keep winning, hell, they're, <laughs> they're going to have to trade up to be able to get, get a piece. Uh, I like the Seahawks. It's been a great story. They're winning the way Pete Carroll really wants them to win, the way they won when they were winning Super Bowls with Russell Wilson and the Legion of Boom and Marshawn Lynch. Good defense, run the ball, play action, run your boots, run your waggles, be able to find guys in their intermediate game and then find Tyler Lockett deep. Give me the, the Seahawks in this one. Daniel Jones, it's a good story, but so is Hansel and Gretel, and we all know how that one ended. How bad does Josh Allen beat up on Aaron Rodgers and the Packers? Look, Josh Allen's a monster. The Packers are just, I still, somebody please look me in the eyes and tell me why they didn't get a receiver. Y'all, y'all, Alan Lazard was going to be y'all's number one. Y'all got Same Randall reason. Cobb, who's older than Gandalf out of here. Oh, he got hurt in the first five weeks. I'm shocked. He's 100 years old. Robert Tanyan's a nice piece. Aaron Jones is a nice piece. But outside of that, you're playing with, with, with the bad news bears out there. I, I don't see even with Aaron Rodgers, this, is, this isn't baseball. It's in basketball. One guy can't just do it. Uh, I don't see how the Packers can consistently stop that offense. Uh, I think that the Packers may score a little bit more than what people think, but definitely not enough. Give me Josh Allen. It's the same reason the Saints didn't sign a quarterback. It, well, look, they, they keep believing in Jameis. Y'all keep believing in the, a guy from, from backyard baseball, the computer games. As long as y'all keep doing that, you're going to keep getting this result. <laughs> and then last one for you, Monday Night Football, Bengals and Browns. This game's in Cleveland, right? Yes. Yeah. doesn't matter. Give me the Bengals. Joey <laughs> B, the God King himself, walks in with the mink on. Jamar Chase is out. I know it. But, man, Tyler Boyd's really stepped up. He's typically just a third-down security guy, uh, a guy that's kind of your second, third progression. Him and Jamar absolutely freaked out last game. But I think you're going to see them rely on T. Higgins a lot here. They do have another weapon, uh, even though T's been beat up, especially with the concussions. But they're going to have to lean on Joe Mixon, uh, Joe Mixon at some point. Uh, David Njoku's out, too, so that run game becomes even more pivotal, uh, pivotal uh, looking at the Brown side of it. But from the Bengals side, leaning on Joe Mixon with that beleaguered offensive line that I still don't trust, but somehow Joey B finds a way. Give me the Bengals, like, like 15 to 12. Jake Crane, host of Crane & Company, joining us each and every Friday for Jake's Takes. Jake, appreciate you as always. Enjoy your weekend, bud. We'll do it again next Friday. Sounds good, fellas. I'm not a Falcons fan. Talk to y'all later. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you, you you don't have to lie. It's okay. We'll accept you. He's a closet Falcons fan. <laughs> the Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow Fall Festival, this Saturday from 6 to 8 p.m. Families are invited to enjoy a safe trick-or-treating along St. Peter Street, which will be closed to vehicular traffic during the event. There will also be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, a costume contest for kids, and a pumpkin carving contest. We'll take a time out. When we return, James and I will give you our college picks for the weekend. And a little bit later, we'll do the same thing for the NFL. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update, presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 
crunch time, 27 after the hour here on your Friday afternoon. Matt Miguez, James Mesh. James, let's go back to the college games and, and make our picks. Let's start with Ohio State, Penn State. Ohio State having just a fantastic year, sitting at number two in the country. Uh, but this will be their first true test of the season, heading to Happy Valley to take on the Nittany Lions. Who do you have in this one? This one will be tough, but I think the Buckeyes are ultimately able to win, but it's a lot closer. That spreads at 14.5, 15, depending on the sports book that you're looking at. I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think at most the Buckeyes win by 10. If, yeah. they, if, they, get, if they get a little extra help, they may get to 13, but I, I can't see it being – a whole two touchdowns or more. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take Ohio State, but I'm I'm with you. I think it's a little bit closer than than most people might expect. Um, but in the end, Ohio State's offense is just going to be too much for uh, for Penn State to handle. Notre Dame and Syracuse is an interesting game. Notre Dame is just not having a good year, and uh, Syracuse under Dino Babers is uh, vice versa, having a great year. Uh, give me the orange in this one. Yeah, I'm going to take Syracuse as well. Still don't understand why they're just a single color. We'll never get it. It's just I, I've i learned why Alabama's the cr- the Crimson Tide while also being an animal, but the, the reasoning behind it to me is uh, I don't I, I think it's dumb, but whatever. Well, <laughs> and, and we're talking about Syracuse and Notre Dame. I mean, Notre Dame, they're falling apart as they usually do. I mean, it's no surprise. Yep. So I'm taking the Syracuse easily. Yeah, and you know, you, you talk about teams with single mascots. How about Stanford with the Cardinal? Yeah, just just one. And and they they say Cardinal, but the mascot's a tree. Make that make sense? Um, Arkansas Auburn. Jake alluded to it. You know, Arkansas's a, a ER room right now, and then Auburn. I mean, again, Brian Harson's just buying time. Um, I mean, this game's gonna be rough. But uh, n- might surprise some people here. Give me Auburn. Ooh, okay. Uh, since you went the risky route, I'll just stay on the safe path and just go Arkansas. Okay. Oklahoma, Iowa State. You know this game. This game's just strange. Uh, <laughs> Oklahoma's having a weird year where they they can't seem to beat anybody in the Big Ten. And then they, they come out of nowhere and surprise you for a game. And Iowa State is just kind of doing what they always do, hanging around, making games close, winning a big one here and there. Uh, I'm going to take the Sooners here, but it's an ugly, ugly game. Nope, I, I've given up on the Sooners until they prove me otherwise. After what I saw against the Longhorns, I know the Longhorns are good, but dear God, how do you lose by seven touchdowns when you're in the supposed Red River rivalry. That was no rivalry that game. So I am taking Iowa State. I'm going all the way with the Cyclones. Speaking of the Longhorns, did you see the headline that Arch Manning is enrolling early? He will <laughs> he will arrive in Austin in January. And you, and you were talking about I'll believe it when I see it. You believe in it now? No. You start you're starting to believe it? No. No shot. He hasn't signed he hasn't signed anything yet. Until until he until he takes his until, what is it what is it the UNIV one hundred classes until he yeah. starts taking those classes, I, I won't believe it. Okay, um, a cocktail party, Florida and Georgia. There's no way Florida loses by twenty four points. There's no way. I can Georgia, see a, I can see a world. 
Ooh. Good God. Georgia wins, but again, if, if I was betting on this game, I would definitely put my money on Florida plus 23 and a half. It's definitely a really big number. It does scare you away, but I mean, hey, like Jake alluded to, there may be something that we don't know that Vegas knows, which oh, man. they damn near is, know all. Is a possibility. Yep. Yeah. They, they do. Uh, here's the thing. Even if we feel like we win, the book always wins. Oh, the house always wins. That's the, the book rule. always wins. That's the rule. Uh, Oklahoma State, Kansas State. Oklahoma State's been so good this year with Spencer Sanders at quarterback. I mean, Kansas State's no slouch. Don't get me wrong, but I'm gonna take the Cowboys in this one with uh, with Spencer Sanders. I'm taking o- Oklahoma State as well. Cincy, UCF. This one's so intriguing because Cincinnati, you know, made the playoff last year. Obviously, you know, had to replace Desmond Ritter at quarterback, but still having a good year in the top twenty. But UCF, they, they've got a kid that spent some time at Ole Miss. His name is John Rice Plumley, uh, and he is a difference maker. He's a two-sport athlete. He plays both football and baseball for uh, UCF, and I think he is going to make a difference in the game against Cincinnati. Give me the Golden Knights. I'm going to stick with Cincy in this one, though. All right. Kentucky, Tennessee. You know, Tennessee, we, we talk about it every week. Tennessee's red hot, riding high. Um, they're, they're on a collision course for Georgia next Saturday. But, you know, if anybody's going to slow them down heading into that matchup, it could be Will Levis. It could be. But I don't think it but, will. I'm taking no, the balls easy. Yeah. Um, especially with the news that Cedric Tillman will be back. Yeah, um, I'm going to take the balls in this one. We're going to see an undefeated uh, oh, matchup next week. It's gonna be a, that's going to be fun. I guarantee you CBS is sitting there right now going, why'd we burn our doubleheader? <laughs> why'd we burn our doubleheader? Because, man, you put you put floor, uh, Georgia-Tennessee at 2.30, Alabama-LSU at 7, people would lose their minds. It would have been amazing. But, I, I mean – who, who would have predicted LSU would have been in this contention? Well, that's that's very fair. That's very fair. Uh, Ole Miss A&M, does Ole Miss take out their frustrations on poor Jimbo? Yes. Oh, that's going to be ugly. God, why that's going to be ugly. Why are you skipping meetings? Does he, does he know that he's already going to get fired? Is that why he's not he's that why is that why he's not going to production meetings? They just have made the, they just have made it uh public yet. Yikes! Because you know, every Friday when the TV crews get there, they sit down with the coaches and, and usually, you know, the quarterback or like a star player, and just kind of gauge, you know, how the season's going, and it gives them some talking points to talk about on the broadcast. And apparently, Jimbo didn't show up to the meeting today, so that's intriguing. Baylor, Texas Tech, Baylor. I'm taking. Easy. Yep, taking Baylor. Baylor, easy. Um. I just I, I like Dave Veranda. I like Ron Roberts as the defensive coordinator. I think they're doing a lot of good things over there in Waco, and uh, I think it continues. But you know, we'll, we'll get to the NFL here in just a second. But James, you know, you talked earlier about Arch Manning, and or I had brought it up, but we'd kind of talked about it a little bit. The the conversation of him possibly enrolling early. I'm I'm really still looking at the fact of him possibly ending up at Georgia. I don't think Kirby Smart 
has has said everything that he needs to say yet in that situation. So you're you're one hundred percent set that he goes to Texas. I'm not a hundred percent. I just know how you feel about it, so it, it's easy to to bust with you about it. Because oh, I I'm not. I don't think it's a full thing, but to me, the fact that you are doing early enrollment, like how Walker Howard did. I mean, hey, that that does make it, things interesting. No, it, it I'm, w- does. I'm with you that until he does it, you can't say that he it's a foregone conclusion that he is going to go to Texas. But to me, the fact that he is he's looking to do early enrollment that that's something to look out for. According to this tweet, this says this shouldn't come as a surprise, but future Longhorn quarterback Arch Manning has decided to early enroll in January. Arch heavily considered delaying his enrollment and defending his team's state basketball title at Newman, but is eager to learn from Steve Sarkeesian and join his teammates in 2023. So we'll we'll see what happens there. That's going to be quite a quarterback battle between uh, Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning, huh? We'll take a timeout right here. When we return, James and I will do our NFL picks, and then we'll send you on your way to the weekend right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The Lopa's Trail Run for Life is this Sunday. The 10K, 5K, or one-mile superhero fun run is taking place at the Cherokee Ridge Horse Farm located at 200 Flying West Road in Cairn Crow. Participating supports Lopa and is a chance to honor Lopa's life-saving heroes and celebrate the gift of life. For more information, visit lopa.org. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, back here on the game. James, time to do NFL picks now. The Panthers and the Falcons are first up on the list. You know, Carolina getting that big win over Tampa last Sunday. Atlanta currently leading the division. This game could get interesting. You know, obviously a win for the Falcons. I mean, as Saints fans, it doesn't make you happy, but also it kind of does because a win by the Falcons helps you more than a win by the Panthers. Yeah, and I think that ultimately it's going to be the foul, it's going to be the Panthers that win it because there's just going to be utter chaos in this division. Yeah, uh, are we going to see a losing record win the division this year in the NFC South? I think there's a very good possibility, like yeah. like eighty um, percent. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna take the Panthers too because nobody wants to help out the Saints. So uh, not even themselves. There's not even themselves. Absolutely, uh, Dolphins and Lions. This game could be pretty interesting. You know, Tua's back with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, And then on the other side for the Lions, you know, high-powered offense, they just can't win. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to take the Dolphins because right now, Tua, with him under center, the Dolphins are 4-0. So even though I, I do dog Tua, and I've dogged him a lot this season and before the season started, uh, I think the fact that you're still undefeated with him, he, I, I got to roll, roll with the train. The next game we're looking at, James, say it with me, J-E-T-S. Jets, Jets, Jets. There you go. I'm going to take the bats in they, this one, they... though. Oh, my God. <laughs> you had me do all of that just for you to take the Patriots? Wow. 
That's so that's so wrong. Um, obviously, give me the Jets because that's who. I mean, it's the, a the smart, Jets have been it's super. A smart pick. They've been super impressive this year, and I just I think it continues. Uh, Niners Rams rivalry game in the NFC West. You know, Christian McCaffrey now had a full week to kind of learn the the playbook. I think he pops off, and Shanahan owns McVay once again. Yep, I, I think the trend continues because the Rams just look off this year, and I, I think even though I'm not a fan of Jimmy G, I don't think he's a good quarterback by any stretch of the imagination. I think the 49ers are just that much better of a team. Giants-Seahawks, this might be the game of the week. And who would have thought on, on paper, at least. I mean, both of these teams have just come out of the woodshed. Brian Dable takes over the Giants and has them looking like they know how to play football. And then the, the Seahawks, they said, who's Russell Wilson? We, we, we got Geno. Right. We're good. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm going to take Seattle in this one. It's, it's at home for them. I could see a world where Dable and the New York newspapers just absolutely crown him the king as they could go 6-1, and one, but I got to lean towards the home team with this one. But even with the seasons that the Giants have had lately, if they lose and go five and start five and two, I mean, who's really mad? Giants you know, fans for the week. I mean, for the week, yeah. But like long term, look at the season as a whole. Yeah, you're five and two through seven games. That's with a first year head coach. That's a huge step in the right direction. Uh, Bills Packers. The the Packers are just bad. Yeah, they're they, just not good. They have not looked. They have not looked impressive by any stretch of the imagination, and that's why you got to go with Buffalo. And and the Bills. I mean, people are like, oh well, you know, the Bills might not be as good as people thought they were. They're four and two. Blah blah blah. Dude, Josh just, Allen is killing shut it. Shut up. Pick the Bills. That's how you do it. Just Josh. Josh Allen is killing it. No, what what, what you tell people that want to pick the Packers is idiot. Idiot. There you go. There you go. And then the Monday night game, Bengals and Browns, Joe Burrow. You know, he's not going to have Jamar Chase for the next six weeks. But, I mean, you still got T. Higgins. You still have Tyler Boyd. You still have Joe Mixon coming out of that backfield and Hayden Hurst as well at the tight end spot. Give me the Bengals all day. And then you might see the real Mike Thomas show up. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Jake, he had talked about it being potentially a 15-12 game. If he, if that happens, I will throw up. I don't see it being that low scoring. I would I would I, throw and, up if that was the case. And not only do I not see it that low scoring, I don't think the Bengals let them hang around that much. I I don't um, don't sleep on Cleveland. Don't sleep on Jacoby. Oh, I'm I'm not sleeping on Cleveland. I just the, the Bengals are are in a different a, a, a different level. I think they come down a level or two because of the Jamar injury. So it's a, it becomes a lot closer. I think it's that one-score game like he talked about, but I think it's going to be higher scoring. Yep, that's fair. That's fair. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show on the other side, right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans. Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. 
Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we got just a few minutes left before we wrap up the show today and head into the weekend and even before the weekend. Get to some Friday football with the Prep Report pregame show, some STM, and then the Prep Report postgame show. Taking a look at the poll question of the day. Do the Saints get back on track with a win over the Raiders on Sunday? 70% of you are saying, LOL, 2-6, and six, here we come, while the other 30% saying that they believe that they will win. A couple of comments. Steve Flint, Salty Steve saying, the Tooth Fairy. Easter Bunny and Santa Claus all believe in the Saints while we got Ton saying, done with the Saints for the year. Go Pels. Yeah, I mean, I, I, don't, I don't blame one for that mentality. The you, you put it perfectly the other day when we were talking with Brendan Ertle. When the Saints are good, the Pelicans are bad. When the Pelicans are good, the Saints are bad. So this year, the Pelicans are good, and so it's the Saints' turn to, to suck. Yep. They take turns. It's like going, it's like taking a potty um, break. They take they they're waiting for each other. Speaking of the Saints, James, who wins on Sunday? Well, if you must know, we we have made some of the picks, whether it's college or NFL earlier, and I mean, let me tell you. One of the things that I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props that I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect! For Sunday's game for the Saints. I'm going to take an Alvin Kamara anytime touchdown, the over on total points scored, but then take the Raiders' money line. Same game parlay is just one of the reasons why I bet with Fandle. It's when you win, they get fast withdrawal, so you get paid your winnings fast, and there's odd boosts and special each day and some super big boosts each weekend around the biggest local and national matchups. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. New to FanDuel? Sign up with promo code KLWB for your first no-sweat no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online roll money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as novel drawable free bets that expire. 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. The only leg of that parlay that's going to ruin you is the Alvin Kamara anytime touchdown. You think the streak continues for him? I do. I, I, haven't, I haven't been shown anything with the Saints offense that shows me that he's going to get in the end zone. And, you know, I don't think it's a performance thing because, you know, I still think Kamara runs for 80, 85 yards, just doesn't find the end zone. Um, I, I, I would like to say that I think he scores, but I just, I don't, I don't know. There's, again, like I said, the Saints offense hasn't shown me the fact that they are using him the correct way. And I, I think he stays out of the end zone for another Sunday. I don't know, man. To me, at some point, You've been doing so well. He's even gotten a couple touches near near the goal line in the red zone. At some point, he's too good not to score. So I feel like it's already happened for six games or seven games as as we get to week eight. He's got to hit at some point. 
He's too yep. good not to get in. We've seen plenty of games where he scored two or three touchdowns. He's, yep. he's, he's, no, it's true. He's just a few touchdowns away from tying and then breaking Marcus Colston's touchdown record all time for Saints. No, it's, it's true. It's true. All right, James, prep report, post-game, pre-game show. What's happening tonight? For the pre-game show, we're going to break down the win last night for Barb as they were able to win 47-24 over my Como Spartans. And then we're also going to get on Nick Fano to break down Acadiana's point of view as they were able to get that narrow one-point win over Karen Crow. And then also talk with Mr. Chad Jones for that St. Landry Parish game of the week as it was St. Edmunds and Westminster. Yeah. Uh, great game last night over there in, in Opelousas. Uh, STM Westgate as well and Lafayette High and Southside. You can catch all those on our Delta Media family of stations. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Thanks to our guest, Q Myers and Jake Crane, for joining us today. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them. Have a hell of a weekend. We'll do it all again on Monday, same time, same station. You're listening to the game. It's 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. James Mesh with the Prep Report postgame show is next. The Astros on News Talk at 7 o'clock.